Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man that tested your metal of doe skins and petals while kissing the lipless. Here's the man who bleeds all my sweetness away and is my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate. Uh, hola, Ben. I mean... So for this episode, we have a special guest. He is a member of the Canadian band Said the Well. Their most recent record is called Cascadia, includes the tunes Un-American, Record Shop, and my favorite song on the record, Level Best. So please welcome to the podcast, Said the Well's Tyler Bancroft. Hey guys, great to be here. Awesome. So the premise of our podcast is fairly simple. We talk about music. But as we do at the beginning of each podcast, I ask the all-important question, what t-shirt are you wearing? Let's start with Tyler. I am wearing a white t-shirt with nothing on it. (laughs) (laughs) It's the same thing that I wear pretty much every day. Um, Somebody once told me that successful people have an outfit, and I took that um, to heart. And also, I took that as a really good excuse to just wear white t-shirts every day. So that's what I do. There you go. Was it Steve Jobs that always wore, what, the black or the The dark blue? Exactly. There you go. Yeah. There you go. How about you, Wayne? What t-shirt are you wearing? Uh, This actually ties it a little bit because after we had Anna Tivill on uh, last time I went on and got a Fluff and Gravy uh, Records t-shirt. Trust your label. Very good. All right. And I'm wearing a new shirt that um, I've already worn. So this is my Ships of Sail t-shirt because I told you on the last episode, Wayne, that it's a super comfy shirt and it's my favorite shirt right now. So I washed it. I did wash it and I'm wearing it again. Okay. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Oh, now that you know that's going to happen. Absolutely. So uh, Tyler, how about you? Do you, do you, does said the well, do, do you guys have comfy t-shirts? As band merch? Yes. Yeah, I think that we have really comfy t-shirts. We generally use a company called Bella Canvas. um, And um, we we switched from American Apparel several years ago because American Apparel was just a little overpriced. And then they ended up uh, going down the tube anyways. Um, And these shirts are super comfy. We get a lot of comments. We definitely, we do not cheap out on our merch. It's very important to us. Awesome. I, I was on your website not too long ago. I like the design of your sweatshirts. But oh, those are you. completely impractical for me down here in Florida, so I did not purchase one. I'm sorry. But yeah, you know, um, you could cut the arms off and go for more hey. of like a Justin Bieber kind of look. Just Ooh. a suggestion. You you had me at cut the cut it off, and then you lost <laughs> me at the Bieber thing. So uh, uh, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll try a new tactic <laughs> next time. <laughs> so enough about apparel. That's not what I wanted you on the podcast for so uh we uh we actually had you scheduled a couple months ago and part of that was rescheduled part of that was because you welcomed into the world baby number two so congratulations thank you you getting any sleep yet um you know what my partner's very good about not waking me up for like the feeds um our first boy was up kind of like every two hours and the second one is starting to go down that road um so uh yeah i'm actually sleeping okay all things considered there you go there you go 
Um, all right, so let's let's talk a little bit about the band. So I watched your documentary from several years ago called Winning America. Mm, yes. And the and you know, it it talks about your your journey to go to South by Southwest, a bunch of your stuff in the van got stolen. By the way, there's a cold place in hell for people who rip off musicians. There is. Um, but the documentary ends with you all winning the 2011 Juno for New Band of the Year. And for people not familiar, the Juno is like the Canadian equivalent to the Grammy, correct? Correct. So you won Canada. Did you ever win America? <laughs> we did not. <laughs> yeah. We, you know, we, we did have a pretty good run in the States in 2013. Uh, we had a song called I Love You, which it climbed up to number 34 or something like that on the, on the alt chart, um, okay. which is quite respectable. Did a lot of touring down there that year, um, and then the song just kind of fell off the charts, and, and uh, the whole thing kind of went away. But uh, the, uh, the states are a very difficult territory for anybody to break. Yeah, and I don't, I don't quite understand it because I, I latched on to you guys on your last album, not Cascadia, the previous one, and I don't understand why some bands just don't make it. Like we. We, we've we've chatted about the tragically hip before, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm sure you're a tragically hip fan, right? Uh, you know, I never was. Um, really, I I never. That's not really a band that I was that I felt um, in love with until kind of near the end. Um, they had a record that came out in 2008, maybe called World Container, and that was actually what brought me on board. Whereas a lot of people were kind of like diehard forever, but yeah, but. I don't. I still don't understand why they never really broke in the states. Like it's a mystery to me. Uh, I mean, that band seems so obvious. Why they never broke in the states? It's just so Canadian. It's. I mean, you couldn't write more Canadian music if you tried. It's. Um, it's verbose. It's um, geographically exclusive. You know, Gore Downey himself is just like this kind of rambling poet, um, or he was rather. Um, and I think it was just a little, it's just too, too weird for, for the rest of the world. But Canadians love that kind of stuff. Maybe I'm just weird then, right? So see, there you go. They could still go and they could play shows in the States. It was just on a much smaller scale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll get back to the documentary in a moment, but I want to talk about some of your videos because your videos are 
awesome. Thank especially, you. especially record shop. Like that's, that's awesome for, for, yeah. for listeners who aren't familiar. How did you all make that video? That video is a feat of engineering. I would say, um, the basic premise is what you see on screen is a record player playing a record. And on that record, the band is animated playing the music. And um, without the context of how the video was made, it's actually not that impressive as a visual. Um, but the process of it is that what you're seeing is 100% uh, real. It's analog. There's no special effects that you're looking at aside from what was sort of created to create the video. And that is we shot a performance video. Um, the director, Johnny Jansen basically cut every 1.8 seconds into a small individual clip, then took, uh, then converted it to 12 frames per second and fanned out each frame into a circular arrangement that could be placed onto a 12 inch record. He, got those printed by a vinyl printing shop, printed these stickers onto, I think it was 129 records. And then and I'm simplifying this so much, but through a very arduous process of mathematics and animation and exact perfect precision placement, um, he figured out that if you spun the record at 45 RPM, and shot the video at a frame rate of 12 frames per second, the record with the sticker on it would self-animate. And so he basically created 129 zoetropes, filmed them, edited them together, and then what you see is this video play out before your eyes that is um, that animates. And what's really cool about it is that we, you know, we got to keep the records after the record, uh, after the video shoot. Um, and you can get an app on your phone that will shoot at 12 frames per second. I could put it on my record player and look through my iPhone and I could see it animate right in front of my eyes. That's very cool. Nice. It's incredible. guys were selling some of those records that you use in the video right uh we sort of did like an in incentive sale it was buy a, a copy of our of our new record and we'll throw in one of these records for you got any left i think we have like three left yeah awesome all right yeah got rid of them all the, I, I will the director actually did take a lot of them <laughs> did he okay yeah he, he i mean he was super proud of his work and so he, as 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 they were taking down the the, um, the set, he was just like, oh, I want to take that one. I want to take that one. I want to take that one. He couldn't resist. Yeah. Well, he should be very proud. That That is a very cool video. 
really awesome. He's a pretty incredible guy. He's actually um, working on a really beautiful documentary about a friend of his that passed away from uh, a fentanyl overdose uh, recently. And um, it's just been picked up by a huge production studio. And um, I think it's actually going to be a huge hit. Um, so keep the name Johnny Jensen on your mind and uh, look out for his documentary. Awesome. So with Cascadia, you just put out a deluxe version recently. Mm-hmm. Correct. A couple extra tracks on that. So there's an there's another extra version of Level Best, which is my favorite song on the record. Oh, thank you. Now, now, if you didn't have kids, would a song like Level Best ever have been written? Not a chance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like. Uh, it, having level best being your favorite song is such a dad move. Um, a a lot of dads in the crowd will come up to me after the show and and talk about that song. Um, the other day there was, uh, we played a show in Port Angeles, Washington. And, uh, I, there was a guy just bawling his eyes out during the song and it made me cry. And I like couldn't sing the song properly because I was becoming very verklempt. Um, and I was just, by the end of it, I was just like choking it out. And then afterwards I, I had to go find him. I was like, man, you totally ruined that song for me in like a beautiful way. Um, and then we just cried about our kids together. There you go. And Wayne, Port Angeles, that's in your, that's in your backyard. Yeah, it's not, it, it would have been a, it would have been a long drive for during the week, but yeah, not, yeah. not too far. Okay. Uh, you probably haven't made it over to Florida yet though for, for touring, huh? Yeah, we've toured once in Florida. Um, we did a show in Orlando uh, at a small cafe, which was actually really good. There were like sixty people there. It was it was awesome. It was tiny, so it felt packed. Um, and then How we played. How long ago was that? That was maybe I want to say it was 2010, 2011. It was two thousand eleven. Okay. Um, and uh, and then we played in Miami, and it was just terrible. It was an awful show. Is that like a nightclub? We went on at like midnight and it was just awful. It was one of the worst shows ever. Well, that was before I discovered you. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't make it there. You know what? Even like, even people being there excited wouldn't have made the show better. It was just, right. you know, hor- it was a horrible experience. There were like lasers and a lot of smoke. And it was like the moment we walked off stage, it turned into a nightclub. They could not wait for us to leave. Wow. <laughs> yeah so so with level best is anybody giving you crap about the 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 last part of the song where you talk about stealing and killing and selling drugs as your as your level best i hope i hope people understand that you're that's kind of tongue-in-cheek that's a little bit of an exaggeration that it what us parents will do will do nearly anything for our kids right i think it's pretty clear by that point in the song that it's that it's just kind of like yeah, to what lengths I will go. There is no, there's no limit. Um, and when we first started playing that song, there would, I would get a lot of laughs. It was actually kind of funny. I was not, to me, the song was like so emotional, um, especially pretty fresh off writing it. It, it was hard for me to finish the song because it was so emotional. Um, and people would laugh like constantly throughout it. Every line apparently was really funny. Um, so that was odd to me. But I guess it is actually kind of a funny song. Well, yeah. I mean, you're you'll 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 let the kid borrow your van to go on tour. So, yeah, that yeah, right that, there, that right there, just tells it all, right? That's a funny line, but behind that line is really sad for me because 
what inspired that line was going to the funeral of my best friend's father. And my dad uh, made a speech at the funeral and just related some stories because me and me and this guy had played in bands together and our dads had been band dads together. And he made a very emotional speech about, um, you know, about bonding with this guy over unloading amps into the back alley of weird clubs because we were, you know, 16 and playing in, in bars and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so that's what inspired the line. So for me, it's a really sad line. But for uh, as, as somebody who doesn't know that story, it's a funny yeah. line. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, that just changed the context of that, uh, <laughs> that line for me. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's awesome. Going back to the, the the whole topic of rescheduling you, so I had a whole game put together for us to test your knowledge of Canadian bands and musicians. However, okay. we had we had another Canadian musician, Lauren Gillis, who goes by the moniker Lucette. So she joined us a few weeks ago, and so we did the game with her instead. And um, okay. she did pretty well, though, right, Wayne? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And are you are you familiar at all with Lucette? Um, I'm embarrassed to say that I'm not. I, f- I feel horrible. She's so she's a uh, would be considered Americana. Okay. Um, so her her records were produced by Sturgill Simpson. If you're familiar okay. with Sturgill, I know the name. Yeah, she knew your band. Oh, see, that's I was afraid you're going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's uh let's throw out some bands to you and see if uh if you can tell us if they're Canadian or American. She she played against Wayne, but Wayne already knows all the answers. So we're gonna we're gonna see if you know. Okay. So you can say either American or to tie this back to one of said the whale songs, you say un American. Oh, I like it. Okay. All right, all right. First one, Glass Tiger. Oh shoot! American, un-American. That is really? Oh, yeah. Do you know, know this is going to be? Yeah, I didn't know this was going to be classic rock though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm pretty, well, good, I'm pretty good. The current stuff, the old stuff, I'm not so good. <laughs> All right, well let's let's let then let's do more current stuff. Let's uh, okay. broken broken social scene. I mean, can, uh, sorry, un-American. 
Un-American, right. Yes, of course. Um, skinny puppy. Ooh, American? Un-American. Jeez, oh God, I'm bad Canadian. Uh, new pornographers. Un-American, of course, yes. Although uh, AC Newman lives in New York, so that's there's a gray yeah, area there. I know, there is some gray area with new pornographers. What Wayne called me out on it last time. <laughs> um, all right, so since we said new... New pornographers leads to new radicals. Oh, I'm pretty sure they're un-American. They are American. I think really? there was. I think there was a member of the band that was Canadian, but wasn't uh, Tall Backman in in that band? No. Okay, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's let me skip down. Um, we're gonna okay. Here we go. Here, here's here's a newer band, The Trues. Yes, un-American. Yes. All right. Now I'm gonna throw a bunch of old, old, older bands to you. All right, Platinum Blonde. American. Un-American. Oh, okay. I'm gonna you're gonna make me lose my passport here. <laughs> All right, Honeymoon Suite. Un-American. Un-American. Yes. Okay. Phew. All right. Um, Nickelback. Uh, yes, they're they're un-American. But you probably don't want to claim it, right? You know what? They're nice guys. Okay. They're nice guys. Right. Not music's not for me, but I I'm, I'm not one to talk smack. There you go. All right, um, Leonard Cohen. Well, Leonard Cohen is definitely un-American. Yes, he was rather. Yep. Um, Martha Wainwright. Oh, definitely un-American. Uh, same family as um, yeah. as uh, there's, a, there's the always connection. I would have accepted either one because she is the daughter of American mm. Loudon Wainwright, but she's also the daughter of Canadian folk singer Kate. Mc- I, I'm, I mispronounced it the last time. Kate McGarrigal. Is that right? I say I'll, right? I'll accept that answer. I'll okay. accept that. All right. All right. <laughs> Um, all right. How about uh, another new band, Strumbellas? Oh yeah, Un-American. Yeah, they're awesome. Have you seen yeah, them? Yeah, good old group of people. Yeah, yeah, they're good people. Fantastic. Was there was there anyone else that I missed, Wayne, that we should have thrown out to to Tyler? No, I can't think of anybody other than the old class. You know, Triumph, uh, April Wine, uh, Rush. You guys, you guys are through and embarrassing me now. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, uh. I probably would have forgotten April Wine was Canadian because they're just forgettable to me. But that's that's all good. <laughs> Fair that's enough. Good. Um, all right. So one last question before we dive into the record that you chose. We've been asking all our guests mm-hmm. this. So Toto's Africa, good or bad song? Um. Uh... You know what? I guess just like objectively as a pop song, the fact that it has been a hit twice now with Weezer covering it, I think that makes it a good song. It's not a song that I like to listen to that much. I was just going to ask if if this is a go-to song for you. (laughs) No, the song means nothing to me, but I can just recognize that if a song has become a hit twice, there's something to it. You know, I think, I think they, they made a hit. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, now, some people say that listening to Toto's Africa is a guilty pleasure. I, I don't find any guilt whatsoever in it. What would be considered some guilty pleasure songs for you? Like if we thumb through your record collection, what surprises would we see? Um, well, I really don't like the term guilty pleasure. I know a lot of people say that. Um, I, I, don't, like I don't was, like it either. Yeah, I mean, I, there you go. I like what I like. I like what I like. Um, I have a pretty diverse taste in music. Um, I feel like that question, what that question is really asking is what would people be surprised to find in your Spotify save? Um, So yeah, maybe people would be surprised to find like Carly Rae Jepsen or like uh, Spice Girls or (laughs) um, yeah, I I love like, I love some good bubblegum pop. Um, okay. I'm, and I'm, I'm not afraid to listen to it. It's great. It's, um, all those songs can be just like a lesson in songwriting. There you go. That gets you on the radio, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's fun to study other people's music, um, regardless of whether or not you find it artistically challenging. Right. right. Would you, would you guys ever cover a Carly Rae Jepsen song though? Um, I would, I don't think Ben would agree to it. He's not much of a pop music guy. Okay. Um, and and then the third reason is that we're not that great musicians, so I don't think that we could really do a good job at it. We're we're quite good at playing our songs, not yeah. so good at playing other people's songs. Okay. So so no, if I come to a said the well concert, I'm not going to hear any surprise covers. There is there is there is one cover song in our set currently, and that is um, Reckless Eric's Whole Wide World. Oh. Great song. Yeah, awesome song. And the reason that we decided to cover it is because our song uh, from our record, Cascadia, uh, the song Broken Man in the yeah. chorus has has the same drum beat as Whole Wide World as the original version. Um, and uh, and we totally produced that song, like having referenced the Reckless Eric song many times and um, like fully just lifted the drum beat on purpose. Um, and so we cover it as a, as a little homage. Did you know that song before the movie stranger than fiction? No, that's the, that is where I discovered that song. That's <laughs> okay. funny because a, a lot of people have discovered that song because cage, the elephant just covered it and kind of made it popular again. Yeah. But yeah, for, for me, it was stranger than fiction. Yeah, that was, that was, that was my introduction introduction to that as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good scene. Such a good movie. It's a like, great movie. Yeah. Who knew who knew that Will Ferrell could actually like act? I know. And also like Maggie <laughs> Gyllenhaal is just like so magnetic. Yeah. Um it's a really great combo. It's a great, great, great movie. I'm glad yeah. I'm glad we've got something in common. I like that. That's good. That's awesome. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um all right. So so tell us what record you chose to revisit on this episode. I chose Shoots Too Narrow by The Shins. All right. And so give us a little background on why this this record is special to you. Um, I would say this was sort of like, this record was like at the epicenter of my sort of indie rock awakening. Um, for me, two th- so the record came out in 2003. It's the year that I graduated high school. Um, in high school, I had a very wide musical journey. You know, I kind of went in as somebody who loved 
90s grunge like green day and smashing pumpkins and nirvana like that was all over my wall in like grade six and seven and eight and then um then i got super into punk like no effects socal stuff no use for a name and bad religion and then i kind of did a 180 in like grade 11 and got really into like jack johnson and guster and ben harper and all this kind of like jewish summer camp music (laughs) um (laughs) i was dating a jewish girl at the time and she kind of like got me into all this music um yeah kind of like acoustic you know very safe kind of campfire stuff yeah um and and so that defined me for a while um and then uh a friend who worked at a record store in vancouver showed me broken social scene and that was just like my brain exploded and and then i was and i found out they're canadian and that just blew my mind fell in love with the band um and then right around that same time garden state came out and obviously like the shins were were basically everything that everyone remembers from garden state is the shins um and and so that record just all of a sudden like my sights set on that record um and so it became um it just kind of became my record uh i i lived and breathed that record for like two solid years we're talking about the garden state soundtrack no sorry shoots too narrow so so garden state just like showed me the shins um and then i think maybe right after garden state came out or around the same time shoots too narrow was released and okay um and so oh inverted world i I went back to and, and really enjoyed but for me it was like in 2003 that record came out and that was the shins to me was was shoots too now because i know they they got a little bit of crap for getting a little little too produced on on this record as opposed to oh inverted world which was more of a lo-fi it had that garden state feel to it totally um, I was never privy to, to any sort of flack that they were receiving for that. Um, for me, this was just, I, I was just all in on the band. Um, and then they, they definitely, I was aware of the flack they received on Wincing the Night Away, which was the, the record after that. I was still like mostly on board with that record. It's a really good record. Um, and then Port of Morrow kind of lost me a little bit. I, um, the qualities that I really liked about the band from Shoots Too Narrow and Woods in the Night Away and Oh Inverted World to me kind of got lost um, by Port of Moral. That's where I jumped off uh, because yeah. the single, the single for Simple Song came out and I loved it. Like that, that that's, that's a good song. That's still my favorite Shin song. And yeah. okay. and then I and then I bought the record and I can. I can honestly say that Simple Song is the only song I like on, on that record. Yeah, like there's something about for me like what I learned from um from James Mercer and what I will always will always be my takeaway is that he uses lyrics like percussively almost. Mm-hmm. Um there's a lot of you know, like I've listened to shoot Sunera like a thousand times and there's still a lot of lyrics. I don't even know what the lyric is, but it almost doesn't matter because it's so abstract and it just fits into like the nooks and crannies of the music. Um, and I love doing that with lyrics. And so that was something that I learned from him and kind of went away. Um, you know, the rest of Portamora was like just pretty straightforward, like 
yeah. pop songwriting, and and that just I wasn't quite as interested. Now, now Wayne, you you shared kind of a story about them getting some flack because they they, they went a McDonald's commercial. New slang was used in a McDonald's commercial. Yeah, so they got a lot of pushback. There was a couple of like label mates on Sub Pop that were pretty critical of them. You know what? Though I think I feel like that was something that happened in like 2003 times. People were still like, you know, you could be like, oh, you sold out or whatever. And I think now in 2019, people are just like happy for a band if they get synced somewhere. Yeah. Because I, f- I feel like people are more understanding of how difficult it is to survive as a, as a musical artist. Like there really haven't been any stories of bands like getting shit for, for placing their music in a movie or a commercial. People now are just like, Snipe, good for you, man. Like you get that dirty money. Right. You want the song placement. Movies and TV shows, yeah, that's that's the way artists make a lot of money. I still oh, think yeah. TV commercials, you might still catch a little little from the indie guys. Nobody that I know, like <laughs> if if yeah, if like if said the whales synced a big TV commercial, I think our peers would be happy for us and jealous. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well. Um, what else do we want to say on Shoots Too Narrow? Uh, I think we kind of covered it. Uh, it was on Sub Pop, uh, released mm-hmm. in October of 2003. Uh, again, on the heels of O Inverted World, and there a little bit of that success of being in the uh, in the Garden State movie. And it's interesting that you'd made the comment that it was that it was so produced. When I heard they recorded it in James Mercer's basement. Um, to say to save money because he said something like dud bolts are 60 bucks <laughs> and actually and actually the computer with the original with the masters on it was stolen out of the basement oh crazy yeah never recovered so he said he made another comment about it's probably on the floor of a crack addict's garage interesting well yeah i i know it was definitely recorded um pretty diy because we once did a song with phil eck um who mixed that record and the previous record i think and um yeah he he talks about how you know most of most of those vocal takes were all just like the first vocal take and it was just like recorded all in in james's living room um and so he kind of just had like like pretty janky tracks to work with but ended up making it sound incredible yeah so, so right now you are you you all are reissuing your album. Um, what is it called? Islands disappear. So mm-hmm, your, yes, your first record on pink translucent vinyl. It's beautiful. And I I listened to that. So I I I hadn't listened to that record, and I went back and listened. And after listening to that record for the first time and knowing that you selected a shins record to talk about that album's got a little bit of a shins vibe to it. Oh yeah. I mean, I, especially around that time really wore my influence of the shins on my sleeve. Um, so when you hear the, the Tyler songs, um, <laughs> it's, it becomes pretty obvious as a shins fan. Because I don't really, I don't feel like I really hear much of a Shins vibe on subsequent records. Is it still, is it still kind of there? 
There are some songs for sure. Um, like I, I can point you to the two songs where I ripped off the shins the most. Um, <laughs> one, one of them is a previous record, which is our very first release, and the song is called Live Off Lamb. That's just like a direct shins ripoff. Like all of the melodic turns are something that like like you can you can't pinpoint to like one shin song. It's just like oh, this is what the shins would have done. Yeah. Um, or like what James Mercer would have done. And then the other song is uh, 2010 from our album Little Mountain. Is very much like I'm even like okay. singing up in a register that I'm like trying to sound like James Mercer. Um, whatever, I own it. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you, he doesn't try and get to that register quite anymore. I did watch the the Tiny Desk concert from a couple of years ago, and um, he actually sang one of the songs off of this record, and he wasn't quite hitting those high notes anymore. So That's kind of what I love about him, though. He's not a perfect singer on stage, yeah. <laughs> um, which is good. It's inspiring, because neither am I. <laughs> I. I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit, but that that's cool. Well, it's, it's it's nice to see like a humanness in an artist and just kind of realize like ah, this person's like an awesome songwriter and like you know maybe it takes them a few takes to like get the vocal yeah they're very good but like you know they're not perfect it's awesome I love that it's cool all right well let's dive into the record so as a reminder our scoring is based on number of songs on the record so Wayne how many songs on this record uh, only ten means top song is going to get 10 points next favorite song nine points on down to lowest score of one so let's kick this off here is first song this is kissing the lipless called to see if your back was still aligned and your sheets Growing grass all on the corners of your bed But you've got too much to wear on your sleeves It has too much to do with me And secretly I want to bury in the yard The grey remains of a friendship scar Is there a better opener than the first five seconds of this song? <laughs> no, it's just, this is uh, this is a great way to start. This is some some classic indie jangle pop. It's got a great feel to it. I thought about making that my ringtone at one time, and I just never got around to to doing it. But it's so good. That is a great ringtone, <laughs> and an even better album opener. Yeah. Absolutely. I, and Tyler, had I not known that your babies were asleep right now, I was going to try and talk you into doing the opening clap and the woo part <laughs> with me and Wayne. So, anyway. yeah, I'm like, I'm already seeing some movement on baby monitor number two. So uh, I, I shouldn't be doing the clapping. We're, we're not going to do that. Well, some other time. Definitely. We'll, we'll do that. <laughs> okay. Who wants to get us started with, uh, with this song? What, what do you guys like about this song besides the opening? Well, I think I mean I don't know, but is he an English major? Because the one I mean, obviously his strong suit is lyrics, and he doesn't. He's 
he's on his game. This stuff is uh, pretty impressive. I mean, none of it, it's uh, it none of it's cliche. None of it's you know. I, I mean, sometimes you'd think maybe he might take a break and and kind of phone one in, but he's at the at the highest point on on the the word his word choices. Um, and using, you know, just these intricate references to to paint this picture. Yes. And that's that's a, a common theme throughout this entire record. And um, why, for me at least, some songs got higher scores than others, just because I fell in love with the lyrics. It, it reminds me of some poetry. I feel... Well, we'll get we'll get to those as as we get through them. But I've got some references to some poets that I like, and to your point, Wayne. Yeah, he was he was probably an English major, because because uh, I I don't know. I just kind of get that vibe about him, probably because I sat behind him in a English literature class at one point. So wait, you sat behind? No, James I'm just Mercer? kidding. I'm just kidding. I I oh, wish. Oh. I wish. <laughs> Just blew my mind for a second. That would yeah, be awesome. Geez. I was just making sure you guys were we were paying attention to what I said. Man, you waited thirty seven minutes to drop that bomb. How did yeah. you keep it in? I've known you my whole life, and I didn't. I never no, knew. I'm, I'm, totally, I'm totally kidding. Um, no, I just i I love the imagery that he he throws out here. Um, I'm going to throw this out that this is this is my favorite song on the record. I really thought that maybe it wouldn't be by the time I was done listening to it, um, you know, several, several times. And uh, I just kept coming back to this. I, I love how it makes me feel. I love the lyrics. Um, I love the beginning part. So spoiler alert for the remainder of this episode, the three of us are not in sync on, I think, I'm looking at the scores. Um, usually we have a couple songs on episodes where um, all three of us, uh, Wayne and myself and the guest are on, on the same level. We're not on the same level for any of these songs, just so you know. Yeah. Listen, th- this one was the hardest one to rate because I, re- I mean, I love every song on this record. Um, and so, like, at a certain point, once I kind of did, like, my top three, I was just, like, inventing yeah. numbers. This is, like, seriously, to me, they're all, like, between eight and ten. Well, I know. I saw, I saw your original scoring that you gave to me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I thought it was, like, oh, this song is, like, a ten out of ten. This song's an eight out of ten. Um, and so this, unfortunately for me, um, in the way that you're scoring records, this song just kind of got lumped in with like five other songs that could have had this a higher score. Yep. So don't, don't feel bad. We apologize almost every, every episode about our score. So it's all good. All right. All right. Well, yeah. let's get some scores. Then I told you, this is my, t- my top score. And then Wayne, uh, five, I went into it thinking this would probably be my top score. Cause I think it was the one song that I had some familiarity with. And, uh, it's in the middle. Okay. Five. And then Tyler. Yeah. I, I also gave this five and again, I already explained yep. myself. This is, this was a, a reluctant five. All right. Moving on. Here's the next song. This is mine's not a high horse. Got a on your side that just more for doubt to 
And uh, I'm going to let Wayne start this because he seemed to like this song better than Tyler and I did. Well, I love the last line. Uh, the Will you remember my reply? One finger parallel to the sky. Um, a lot of these songs, I didn't quite catch the, I didn't really, when I first listened to it the first three or four times, I didn't read the lyrics and go in. And I also read something, it all started to make a little bit more sense uh, when I read that he became an atheist at like 10, which that seems kind of young, but. <laughs> there are younger vegetarians yeah well you know morrissey start became a vegetarian when he was 10 so i guess that's right that that was odd for 19 you know early 1970s so uh this one is clearly um about anti-religion or you know his atheist his atheism and uh it just had some some great lines about you know the the falling out of the van part <laughs> didn't make a lot of sense to me, but the the kind of the comments between this other person um, where he called you know you're a, you're poorly cast as a malcontent, um, you know they're they're not making solid arguments and he's you know and and I think the line was uh don't ask for his opinion they ought to drown him in holy water so there's there's a lot of references like that and the ancient boat too that's when it all st- I you know obviously. There, whether you look at it as Noah's Ark or just that ancient boat of, you know, this religion that that's been around for what is it, three thousand years or something. But he had it had it has and it also, I mean, musically, it had these uh, these soaring like new wave keyboards. And I don't know if any of these songs really have a chorus per se, but there's a couple times where there's a there's a section that's repeated that kind of has a chorus feel. And uh, and then the acoustic guitar that drives this. And this one, I had heard the zombies referenced as an influence, and mm, you can definitely hear okay. it in the, sonically on this one. Gotcha. Now I I did not know the zombies reference. Now I'm now I'm hearing it. Yeah. What about you, Tyler? What you got on this this song? <sighs> yeah, I, I scored this one pretty low. Can I do I say my yeah. score now? Yeah. So you want to hear? Okay. Yeah, I scored this one three. Um, and it was only low because, uh, I don't know. It's just like uh, melodically. I mean, I, I, I love, again, I love this song. It's one, one of my favorite records. Um, but it's just a little bit like murky, the whole thing. Um, and, uh, you know, you want to talk about lyrics, awesome lyrics, always awesome lyrics, but so does every song uh, on this record. Um, so for me, this was just like a little bit of like, uh, a week track two. That's all I'm yep. saying. Yep. We'll, we'll talk about the sequencing in a little bit. Cause I, I do have some questions on, on that. Yeah. And I thought that this would be a little bit higher score for Wayne, just because of you already made mention of the one finger parallel to the sky, which is, <laughs> you know, uh, how often do you, do you put up that one finger Wayne? Uh, every day. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
That's a great line. Punk sensibility right there. So, so, uh, I'm, I'm matching your three, Tyler. Oh, amazing. That feels good. And then Wayne, I don't know if I got your score. Uh, seven. All right. Perfect. All right. Moving on. So says I. And I got to say that the the woo part, um, yeah, that's my favorite part of the song. And I guess that I'm easily <laughs> amused between that and the album's opener. So that's uh, that that's me being um, easily amused, apparently. Um, so I gotta I gotta throw this out. What do you think of the line of "We are a brutal kind"? So he brings that up a few few different points. We are a brutal kind. Yeah, okay. I mean, this song... So says I, we are a brutal kind. Again, I've got to say, it's funny for like for as incredible a lyricist as James Mercer is, I have rarely sat down and read through his lyrics and tried to make sense of them. <laughs> which, is, which is so odd. But like I said before, I, I really... So many of his lyrics for me are just like, musical and percussive and um create this like tapestry of language that i don't really feel compelled to understand for some reason because i I just want to let them be and not really worry about the deeper meaning which is such a bad thing to say as a lyricist and as somebody who really does like spend a lot of time crafting words and, and re saying things and wants to be a strong communicator. Um, but that is, that's never been my takeaway from James Mercer's lyrics. Well, um, you're, you're totally on the wrong podcast because we overanalyze everything <laughs> on this podcast. Oh, I'm understanding <laughs> that now. <laughs> Yeah, I I can get that. Um but I'm I'm happy to hear you guys say these things and it makes me want to go back and listen, but some of these I don't want to listen. I don't even want to know. Right. right. I like no yeah. I like just feeling the lyrics rather than um trying to dig much deeper. Yeah, see and and then I'm just going to ruin this song for you. So the last two lines where it's talking about Tell Sir Thomas More we've got another failed attempt because if it makes them money, they might just give you life this time. Mm-hmm. So Thomas More, anybody, did anybody go wormhole like I did for Thomas More? Sure, All right, fantastic. absolutely. <laughs> um, so so More was a saint in jolly old England from, uh, and he was the chancellor to Henry the Eighth. So 
that would have been 1529 to 1532. He wrote the um, the book Utopia, which was published many years before that, about the political system. This is from Wikipedia, by the way. The political system of an imaginary ideal island nation. And because he associated himself with, um, I guess... He, because he was associated with Henry VIII, and correct me if I'm wrong, Wayne, um, Cromwell didn't take too kindly to him, and so he essentially was executed for... Oh, no, that was all Henry VIII. Was it all Henry VIII? He, uh, okay. Yeah, because he was... Uh, Thomas More was Catholic, uh, anti-reformationist, and when Henry VIII uh, threw, the, <laughs> threw out the Catholics so he could get an annulment from uh, Catherine of Aragon... Uh, Thomas More apparently told him what he thought of that. Yeah. And so he lost his head. Yes. So, so next time, hopefully he just gets life instead of getting executed. Right. Wow. Wow. Good for you guys. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I can say. I I have nothing to add to this. That's amazing. Um, obviously, James Mercer is a huge literary nerd. Um, yes, and uh, let it be known by track three, right? And and who knows? He probably he probably lifted some 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 stuff from Utopia for this. Which I, I will be honest, I haven't read Utopia, and and I have no no desire to. So there you go. Okay. Um, I like I like this song a lot. Uh, again, I think I'm just easily amused, uh, by, by the song. Um, so I'm giving this a nine and then Wayne, how about your score? Um, I gave it a four. Like I say, it's, it has, it kind of feels a little bit heavier because there's no acoustic guitar in this one. Um, so it gives it a little bit of a heavier feel. Um, I love the line pulling teeth from the pimps of gore. I have no idea exactly what he means by that, but it's cool. Uh, it's awesome. And I love that. I guess it would be considered the fifth verse where he says, we've got rules and maps and guns on our backs, but we still can't just behave ourselves, even if to save our own lives. <laughs> yeah. That's super Western. Yes, very much so. I gave this song a two because I just thought it was too yelpy. That's so, my simple reason. <laughs> so, all, so all the things that, uh, that I like about it, you hate it. Awesome. Not even no. You know what? I just had never. I don't think I ever paid attention to the lyrics. I like the lyrics, yeah. just like I like all of the lyrics. But it's just like a bit too yelpy for this record. I was like, eh, don't. I could skip it. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on. Let's go to Young Pilgrims. A cold and wet November dawn, and there are no barking sparrows. Just emptiness to dwell upon. I fell into a winter slide And ended up the kind of kid who goes down shoots too narrow Just sticking out my measly pie But I learned fast how to keep my head up Cause I know there is this side of me That wants to grab the yoke from the pilot And just fly the whole right. thing to so- so somebody please tell me what is a barking sparrow? Because I know what a barking spider is. Sorry. I don't know what it is, but it's just awesome. I, I love the imagery. Yeah. 
I couldn't resist the barking spider reference. My inner being yeah. was strong in me today. <laughs> and of course, this is the song that references the, the 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 title of the record, "Shoots Too Narrow." That that it comes from this particular song. So, yeah. And since I have the benefit of seeing everybody score, so Wayne, tell me why this is one of your favorites. Um, you know what? It's and it's hard to say. It I felt like it's a it's about depression. He made a number of uh, references to just emptiness to dwell upon. I felt into a winter slide, um, but it has, I don't know. It has a real cool sound about it. The, the, the jangly acoustic guitars back, there's no drums and that gives it a different kind of, uh, just a different feel to it. That's more, uh, more what I comfortable for me, I guess with, as far as the shins go. And then, uh, I just, I like the, like I say, lyrically, I had never dug into his lyrics, and he's a he—he he really is quite quite impressive, and uh, just really paints a picture. And like I say, of one of the verses was, of course, I was raised to gather courage from those lofty tales, to so tried and true. And if you're able, I'd suggest it because that's modern thought can get the best of you, which was another reference to uh, religion yeah. and his not being a fan of it. So Tyler, just so you know, um, just as a, as a fun aside for me, I always try and predict what Wayne is going to pick for his top scores. Oh, awesome. And, uh, this song I predicted would be his second only because the lyric, how punk rock is this where, where he says, um, the side of me that wants to grab the yoke from the pilot and just fly the whole mess into the sea. Oh, I love that line. That's incredible. That feels like total punk rock. And that is Wayne. (laughs) So, yeah, that is definitely one of the best lines on the whole record. Yeah. All right. So Wayne, what was your score on this? I gave it a nine. It was this song and another song. I flipped back and forth to every time I listened to him. And it was that, that line about, uh, taking the yoke from the pilot, just this whole, uh, I, I'm not going to take this anymore uh, punk rock feel. Uh, but I ended up ultimately going with uh, this one as yep. a nine. And then Tyler. Um, I, I gave it six, but this with the caveat of like, this could have been an, an eight or a nine. Um, duh. Again, so difficult. Love every lyric of this. Like this is one of those songs on, on this record where I like, I can recite every line. Um, and yes, grab the, grab the yoke from the pilot and fly the whole mess into the sea is awesome. And I relate to that so hard because, um, like, I don't know. I always pictured driving down the highway and thinking about how you could just kind of like, just go, just do that. And everyone said, just that, just gotta get a stat. Everyone's dead. (laughs) Right. So I really love that line for that reason. (laughs) That's cool. All right. And, um, I give it a four. So we're we're all over the place on these last couple yeah, of songs. We are. Uh, and guess what? We're going to be all over the place on the next one too. Here's uh St. Simon.
And so first we have Sir Thomas More. Now we have St. St. Simon. And I guess, would this be Simon Peter? Or is there another St. Simon? <laughs> oh, I don't. I I didn't go to a religious school. <laughs> All right, so so Wayne, since you you have been doing more of the lyrics, I was going to say somebody help me with the lyrics, but you know Tyler, you've already said um, I don't I don't know what the lyrics are. They just sound cool. That's hold on. That's a very <laughs> that makes me sound very simple. It's, <laughs> that's not exactly what I said. I'm giving I'm totally giving you grief. Um, so I, I I love I love the ending that kind of brings all the elements of the song together, but I really don't. Like most of these, most of the lyrics, I can kind of figure out what they're about. But for this one, I don't really have a clue. Um, and I probably would have rated this my second favorite song on the record at some point had I known what the lyrics were initially. But I found that there were some other songs that lyrically just kind of spoke a little bit more to me. And I think after repeated listenings, most of the songs on this record hover around the three minute mark. This one is at like four twenty five, and I kind of feel like it could have been shortened and maybe that would have helped my score a little bit, but I don't know. That's what's cool about this song though. And that's why I like this song is because it, it, it's like, it's kind of like two songs put together almost. Yeah, I can see that. You know, you got like, you got a verse chorus, verse chorus, and then kind of like the whole, there's like, it's just a second half to the song that exists like outside of the two verse and choruses. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. And so for me, like that's actually what I like the most about the song is the melodic twists and turns. So um, yeah, this one, I'm not really rating on like the lyrics speaking to me heavily or like really moving me. It's just awesome. Melodically. Yeah. Now, now I'm feeling bad about my score, but um, okay. Wayne, what what do you have to say about St. Simon? I guess on this one, the lyrics started to get uh, to actually, I guess to reference uh, the second song, he, he seems that he's, he's on his high horse now. It's not all of his other lyrics had somewhat of a kind of a, um, not, not necessarily playful, but a little more like, you know, kind of a sense of humor about him, uh, a kind of a, a little bit of a lightheartedness, if you will. And this one just, it came off kind of snide. I get it. You're an atheist and I'm not, I don't disagree with anything you're saying, but he, it felt like he, he came in a little heavy handed on this one. And even, and musically it does some cool things like the strings with the, the two guitars kind of give it this Catholic mass kind of feel. And then there's this, this uh, kind of muted, you know, chunk thing on the half beat and on parts that gives it, so sonically, I liked it, but I just thought his, I thought lyrically he he got a little pretentious. He started to come in a little heavy. Yeah, maybe maybe we shouldn't have done too much of a dive on the lyrics because I think that would have changed my score a little bit on this. Um, so I gave this a two, and I don't feel good about it. Uh, Wayne, I gave it a three. I don't I don't necessarily feel good about it either. I would say <laughs> to, that this is a this album. While I didn't, I don't have the connection that Tyler does, and I don't have a this deep love of the Shins. I thought none of the songs were were bad. I didn't. I would the, the one I rated lowest. I would say maybe I don't like very much, but it's a he 
he's a good, he's an amazing lyricist. He really, and, and he has a unique voice. And this, this are a lot of, this was 10 really strong songs. Nothing that I felt was like going to make the rock and roll hall of fame or anything, but really strong songs. It was difficult to, to do. Yeah. I'm not skipping through any of these songs. Yeah. I gave this one a seven. <laughs> Mainly because of, like I said, melodic twists and turns, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I uh, I'm I'm down with dismantling organized religion uh, any day of the week. So um, so these lyrics are up my alley. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Yeah, I didn't disagree with his message. That's for yeah. sure. Well, we'll move on. So here's here's fighting in a sack. <laughs> And I didn't realize that this was actually released as a single. Oh, really? Yeah. And I had, for some reason, I thought that the next song that we're going to talk about was released as a single. Not this one, because I remember hearing that one being played somewhere, maybe KEXP or something. But I don't remember hearing Fighting in a Sack on the radio. Um, my first notes on here is Influenced by the Smiths. Wayne? I act, yeah, I hear that. Because I feel like the electrical, the the electric guitar parts, especially in the opening, are very, at least Johnny Marr influence in that harmonica that comes in. I I just thought that that that's felt like a, a Smith's influence song. And after listening to that, I said, this is going to be Wayne's favorite song. <laughs> and how'd I do? You, you, you get me. I nailed it. Yeah. All right. Uh, what exactly is fighting in a sack? Any idea? Um, and I looked at it two ways. If, uh, if you had two people, like you threw your fathers in a sack, you know, if two people are trying to fight in a sack, it's going to be extremely bloody. You're at close range. You're going to destroy each other. Um, but then I started to think about it. If it's just one person in the sack and you're just fighting the sack, that's even either way. It's, it's fucking brilliant. I, I just, this whole song and the lyrics and the music, I just, I thought it was fucking brilliant. Okay. How about you, Tyler? hilarious yeah uh this this was a four for me um (laughs) and only because it's this one it kind of goes against what i like about his lyrics and i find that like the delivery of the lyrics are a little frantic they aren't as well placed yeah there's some like he's taking some liberties with some of the syllable placement um it's just not as well like puzzled together as some of the other songs that's all. I like it. Great song. Love how like again they're sort of like a coda on the song, 
which is something that I've always tried to do in my music is, um, you know, it doesn't follow like a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, chorus situation. Um, and, uh, yeah, like when it gets to like, we've taken on a climb that part and it kind of like drops out and it's just the acoustic guitar. Awesome. Love that. The whole structure is wicked. Um, for me, it's just the lyrical delivery is not as on point as some of the other ones. Let me, let me see if I can change any of you guys' scores based off of some research I did. Ready? All right. All right. <laughs> Cause I had no idea what fighting in the sack was. So of course I had to go to urban dictionary to see if I could figure, oh, I to figure something out. So I don't know that that's going to, well, you know what, out, Wayne, like the infamous waffle, waffle stomp that I looked up in our fast times at Ridgemont high episode. Um, I had to go to urban dictionary. So the closest I found was sack fight. You guys know what a sack fight is. Sounds like a bad yeah. YouTube channel. Sounds like a Rochambeau. Oh, absolutely. So it says once a tried and true method for determining the king of the block among male teens, Sack fighting involves two males grabbing each other's ball sacks and squeezing until one cries uncle. It says it was popular among past generations. It's fallen out of favor in the last few decades. And thank goodness for that, because uh, just reading it hurts my nether regions. So, yeah, there you go. Does that change anyone's score now? Now that you know what a sack fight is? No, okay. not at all. all right. That doesn't change. It doesn't, doesn't change. change it. All right. So Wayne, you said that this was your top score. Yeah, it starts out with that cool guitar noodling, and then it just takes off with a. It's just a high energy song, um, and it has a you know that like I say those those Smith elements. There's definitely I could definitely hear a Johnny Marr kind of influence on it, and the bass line is prominent in this one, which I don't I hadn't really noticed any other uh, arrangements that featured it as as much as that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. Um, actually, did I get everybody else's scores? No, I didn't. Tyler, your score. Oh, yeah. I, I said four. Oh, I said okay. four. And then I said four. Yeah. And then my score is five. All right. That leads us to Pink Bullets. We fell in a field, it seems now a thousand summers passed. When the kite lines first crossed. Tied him into knots To finally fly apart We had to cut them off Since then it's been a book You read in reverse So you understand less As the pages turn Or a movie so crass And awkwardly cast Even I could be the star Okay, so this is the best song on the record. There's no question about it. Um, it's just haunting. It's beautiful. The lyrics are perfect. They're perfectly placed. They're so evocative, even if you don't know what they're about or don't care what they're about. Um in particular, the line that always got me was um, when our kite lines first crossed, we tied them into knots to finally fly apart. We had to cut them off is just the greatest 
analogy for, at least for me, it was, you know, relationships that you couldn't get yourself out of and you had to just do like a clean break. Um, that's like a very basic reading of that. Um, yeah. but you know, at the time I was, you know, listening to that music, I was 18, 19 and then, you know, the throes of, you know, young love and relationships and stuff. Um, and so that was a very emotional lyric for me. Um, and, uh, and then just sort of like the spiral that follows a breakup, um, being a book you read in reverse and understanding less as the pages turn is the greatest analogy I have ever heard. Um, or a movie so crass and awkwardly cast that even I could be the star is again, an incredible analogy, um, for just like, um, debilitating loneliness and misunderstanding of yourself. Um, and, um, God, it's, it's just, it's a perfect song. It's a perfect song. The, the, the kite lines analogy as well. So Extremely when our kite lines first crossed, we tied them into knots to finally fall apart. We had to cut them off. I mean, that's just, again, yeah, to your point that, that good, good poetry right there. And yeah. I, you know, and at first I thought, oh, this is kind of a, a simple song not to be, you know, it is a, pun, a punster. For, hey, you know, yeah. But, uh, you know, I thought uh, it's kind of a simple song, but you know, with the with the organ coming in, there's a little harmonica, and I lo- I love the organ ending. I mean, that's pretty ominous. Um, yeah, I it, I th- I think there's more to it than just what you hear on the surface on that. My question is because I thought that I mean a lot along the lines as Tyler when I first listened to it. And then I sat down and listened to it while I was looking at the lyrics. And then when it comes to the the line that says before murder was cool, then it, it made me go back and look at the lines from the beginning with about, uh, what was it? Tied a brick to her or tied a brick to it. Something about tying a brick. And then, then the kite lines even got a little more ominous because you had to cut them like, yeah. like severed. So I don't know if he didn't kill her because I it went from this lonely outcast that gets made fun of and you know he's obviously this loner outcast picked on by the you know the tough kids the cool kids or whatever and then he he meets this girl and they ha- and then this summer uh, relationship then I don't I'm not I'm not positive but I think he kills her. Wow, wow that I did not make that interpretation, but I can totally see where that could have been construed. We had to tie her to a brick to keep her in the float at the bottom yeah. of it so she didn't float back to the top. <laughs> <laughs> and this episode just turned dark. All right. Uh cool. Well, so so on that note, what exactly are pink bullets? Oh man. Anyone know? Should I have looked this up in Urban Dictionary? Yeah, maybe look it up in Urban Dictionary. But for me, it was just sort of like, uh, yeah, I don't know, like heart bullets or something. To me, it's just evocative. I like I like the imagery of like something soft and gentle, like the word pink, and something violent, like the word bullet. Which yeah. perfect for killing people. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's get some scores on this. So, Tyler, I think you've already alluded that this. This is your top score? Yeah, this is a 10. Yeah. And then Wayne? And this one, I, I gave it a two, but I, I had to give something a two. 
And so I don't, I don't particularly, I, I, I enjoyed the song. I enjoyed reading the lyrics and maybe I'm making it, maybe I, I took it in a darker direction. Maybe he meant it for that. Maybe he didn't, but at the end I, I, I stuck by my two. There you go. And I gave this a six. So again, we're all over the place with our scores. All right, moving on. This is turn a square. So we go from the melancholy back to a little more upbeat and a little more happening. And so this is where I was going to ask you, you guys cool with the sequencing of the album? I mean, it's uh, it was risky for them to save such a banger for so late in the album. Yeah. To- yeah. Totally agree with that. I mean, this, this song is like, is like, you know, it's here comes your man for the shins. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and Wayne, I was just going to say, so we've been doing research on a potential Roy Orbison episode. This had some, some classic Roy elements to it, especially the opening. No, I, 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 I felt like it had a, a that great sixties kind of late sixties uh, feel yeah. to it. A lot along the lines of the zombies kind of thing. Um, yeah. I got that right, right out of it. Yeah. Does he like kites? Because this is the second song in a row. Well, and after kites. what happened to me previously, that freaked me out. Like when I was, reading, <laughs> I was reading through it, and the kite line came up, and I'm like, then it just made me think about the previous song, and then I thought, I, there's no way he didn't do that on purpose. Yeah, I think he did. I think he did. What what else we got on uh, on turn to square? Um, something that I really love about this song is, and you know, something that. I was able to relate to um, were sort of like, you know, this is one of those songs where he is talking about touring, I think um, at least to some degree. And I generally find that kind of lame when bands start like, you know, getting a little too insular and talking about their own worlds and their own careers. But um, when it's done right, it, can be so good. And this one really is. And it just kind of like really spoke to me at a time when I was in university, totally like not loving being in school at all and wishing that I was a touring musician. Um, And to me, that's, you know, his song, he's, he's talking about just like how weird this career path is that he's chosen. And, um, and why can't he just be normal and, and not be such a goddamn dreamer? Um, and I relate to that because I'm a dreamer. I always have been, and I've never been financially, financially secure in my whole life. Um, 
So yeah, I heavily relate to wishing I wasn't a dreamer, uh, which is what this song is about to me. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask you on that documentary you talked about hoping to one day quit the day job. Have you been able to quit the day job yet? Yeah, but I, it's funny because I've quit the day job, but picked up my own day job, which is I now manage the band and I manage other artists, and so I, you know, I'm still. I'm hundred percent in the music industry, which is great and what I've always wanted. But boy, is it is it unsteady. It's <laughs> it, it really leaves you in a panic sometimes. So uh, wouldn't it be nice to just be a banker? Jeez. Yeah. Well, I'm in the financial services industry, and um, that that's why I I do this podcast is because I need those creative juices somewhere. So. Totally, the grass is always greener. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's get some scores on this. And believe it or not, we're almost in sync on this one. Oh, wow. First, first time. It, it only took us eight songs in to, to get there. Uh, Wayne, your score. Uh, eight. I really liked it. Like they say, that 60s feel and the great chunky guitar. And I don't think anybody else ever sings. It's This one felt, and another one I can't. I should have wrote it down, but they, they double up his, his vocals to give it... Mm almost like a harmony feel it'll you know create more depth in it because i don't think anybody else ever does any 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 singing besides him no but but i like the i like the song um it seemed uh personal and and it did it was that you know i'm such a weird geeky guy but yet i'm a rock star and i love the line i i left my home to to was it i left my home just to whine on this microphone oh that's such a good line yeah all right, Tyler, your score. Uh, I this one gets a nine. I, yeah, such a jam. It's um, t- definitely the catchiest song on the record, um, and the most immediately grabbing. Um, I like it a lot. Yep, and I gave it a seven. So look at us almost almost being in in line there. All right, second to last song. This is gone for good. Did he borrow a little for a simple song on from from this, or am I just too fixated on simple song? Because I feel oh. like there's a little bit of a melody from this song that he borrows for. I for, for I heard song. new slang. I mean, I, I'm not like a okay. ripoff or anything, but I heard definitely could hear new the you know new slang in this. Okay, and I usually love slide guitar, and um. I kind of feel bad that my score reflects what uh, it does because I do like this song, but it just, I don't know. Uh, it didn't work for me as much as some of the other songs did. And I can see why you guys probably like this song better than me because I feel like the lyrics have a little bit of a punk attitude about it. So that probably is why because I'm not the punk guy in this relationship. Right, Wayne? 
No, you're not. Not in this relationship at no. all. Uh, I like. I mean, it was such a different sound that when with the steel guitar and they did it. It was funny as he did it so well. This is probably the best country western song I've heard since uh, Doug Stone wrote uh, "I'd Be Better Off in a Pine Box." This was great. Um, I didn't. The, my score doesn't necessarily reflect it. But I really enjoyed this, and it and it had a. This one was the one I, that had a very personal feel. Like um, he's got some problems with this lady. Yeah, you know what? It's funny. I when I first was into this record, I actually hated this song. I thought it was lame, and I thought it was like a country song, which it is. It's definitely just a straight up country song. Yep. Um, but then uh, as I have matured, this was actually one of the songs that I always came back to. It's easy to play in the guitar. It is a country song. Um, and like objectively, it's just a really well-written song. Uh, it's a simple, folky pop country song. Um, and so I love it. How many times did you have to listen to it to get to that point? <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't so much uh, volume of listens as it was time passing. Okay. So I just needed to sort of like, um, I needed to get to the point where I could say that I didn't believe in guilty pleasures because in two thousand and three I definitely believed in guilty pleasures. I was embarrassed of some of the music I liked, um, and probably outwardly was was. Uh, turned off by this song because it felt embarrassing to like, because it sounded just like a country song. Um, and so I think that probably had something to do with the fact that I would generally skip this song when I heard it. Um, and then as I became more, uh, just like a true music fan and, and can appreciate all different approaches to music. Um, I realized that this is actually just a, like a totally kick-ass song. Yeah. Yeah, Which I is- wrote. I can't. I can't believe this is a six. I mean, I, I keep. I, I when I listened through it for the last time, I was you know finalizing my scores. I was just like, I can't believe I gave this a six because while he his lyrics are pretty cutting, like he's pretty upset with this with this lady. Uh, I let you stay. You paid no rent. Um, that's enough sitting on the fence and and all this these great uh, very cutting remarks. He's also very self deprecating. You know. I'm going to get on with my lonely life and you love a sinking stone. But I, the line that I thought was act, pure genius is when he says uh, to put the poison pill to your ear, which I think the poison pill is this song. Mm. Mm. Nice. Now I'm, I'm totally, totally embarrassed <laughs> by my score now. Cause this, I gave this my lowest score. Oh, wow. And yeah, you should be, I, Sorry. well, I, I, and and look, I'm the Americana guy of this relationship, right? So my sensibilities lean towards more of the the the, the countryside. So I don't know why this just didn't connect with me. So Tyler, I guess maybe I'll revisit this a couple of years down the road and see if I change my score on this. So interesting. I mean, if you're a guitar player, just sit down and play a C, and then move your ring finger to to the G on the E string. And you're, you're playing the beginning of this song. And that's what is so appealing about it to me. It's just like, this is a campfire song. It's simple. It's bare bones. And I love it. Gotcha. All right. Well, I told you what my score was. Wayne, what's your score? I gave it a six. Not happy about it. But that's what I gave it. Yeah. And I, I gave this one an eight. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap this up. Last song. Those to come. And broken light. Shifting skin. The coming night, the bearers of all good things.
twist and cry, a kiss on your molten eyes. Myriad lives like blades of grass, yet to be realized. Bow as we pass. They are cold, still. And unlike you guys, I really dig the song. This is this is one that totally increased in score because I kind of dove into the lyrics a little bit. It's total poetry for me. It it feels like a portion of T.S. Eliot's Wasteland to me, and I'm a sucker for T.S. Eliot. I'd like to know if James wrote this because he was influenced by T.S. Eliot as well, but. And I just love the whistling fade out of the song. I think it's perfect. I think it's a perfect way to end the record. And I also, just from the lyrical standpoint, I can't tell if his reference to Blades of Grass is a reference to some Walt Whitman, but it would make total sense since I feel like this is a very existential type of type of song with the lyrics and it just kind of spoke to me. I, I really dig the song. And I know my score is completely contrasting to your guys' score because uh, uh, I, I like this song. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's a cool song. But to me, it just feels like out of place on this record. Oh, absolutely. I think, yeah. I think that's what, that, what it is to me. It's like I, I can get down with this song. If I put it on like a, a vibe out playlist or something like that, um, and you know it's way it's you know if if I have to compare this to like the last thirty Shin songs ever released, it's probably like in the top five. Um, but right. on this record, it just felt not quite right. Um, although there's you know there's something to be said for like the last song on the record is kind of like the throwaway you can end it in like a weird way if you want to and that to me is what this is it's like they put it at the very end of the track list so that you can just turn it off if you want to yeah well i'm the weirdo i guess i continue to listen to this song so there <laughs> uh so i gave it a an eight wayne how come you gave this a one um it, it's just something oddly about it. It's, in fact, I think this is an acoustic, the, there's an acoustic heart and an electric guitar, which I usually like that mix. And on here, the electric guitar seemed out of place, felt like it, they should have left that out of the, out of it. Uh, the tempo is super slow. Um, I definitely agree that this is a, this is a great song to end the album on. Um, it just has uh, a, yeah, the whistling fin, the whistling fade out was, was perfect. Um, I just, I just didn't connect to it. It just didn't. It seemed like he said, "Out of place." I, I, they had, they've done a few different things, but most of, most of the way, they, they played, kind of this, straight up kind of a, a shin sound, and then at the end, it just fell off, fell off the tracks. No, I can, I can respect that. And then Tyler, this was your lowest as well. Yeah, it was scored number one in the context of this record. Gotcha. All right. Least favorite song. Yep. All right. Well, let's uh, 
let's wrap this up and figure out what our top five was on on our cumulative scores. But um, did we did we cover it? Did we miss anything on our analysis? Oh, I don't think so. I think we got it. I think we got it. All right. Any any guesses on number one? I mean, probably probably turn a square. Yeah, turn a square. Uh, average score of eight. That was definitely our 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 top pick. Um, how about number two? I bet you it's kissing the lipless. That is uh, barely edged out a couple other songs, so that gets a six point six six. And then we've got a tie for third. Young Pilgrims and nice. Fighting in a Sack. Mostly, okay. mostly because of uh, Wayne score on fight, fighting in a sack, <laughs> and then uh, our rounding out the top five is Pink Bullets. Again, because of my ten, probably <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, and yeah. I'm and I apologize for Gone for Good because I that gate got an average score of five, and that's because I totally sank it. So sorry, guys. You had to do what you had to do. My yeah, my apologies. Not really. Um, I don't typically apologize for my score. So, nor should you. No. Well, Tyler, this has been a pleasure revisiting with you. So, tell our listeners where they can find all the happenings of Said the Well and where they can purchase that pink translucent vinyl of yours. Oh yeah, man, this has been awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Um, I feel like I need to go read the lyrics for this entire record again <laughs> or, um, or don't yeah. or don't cause it might ruin it for you. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I don't think it's, this record is ingrained in my DNA. I don't, there's not nothing that could ruin it. I don't think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I love a deep dive like this. This is great. Um, you guys are very insightful and, uh, and I'm glad that music fans like you exist. You know, it's, um, I put a lot of effort into my lyrics and, uh, I can only hope that, folks like you uh, sit at home and, and read them and, and care about them. So it gives me hope to hear your level of understanding of lyrics. I appreciate oh, that. Thank, thank you. you very much. Um, and as for said the whale, um, we can be found on all of the social media things with the at said the whale said the whale.com is where our web store is, where you can buy those pink vinyls and uh, you know, even the new vinyls, which are, sort of like a translucent sea glass green. Um, and uh, we're really into like really beautiful colored vinyl in case you can't tell. <laughs> it's great. It's great. And, um, and yeah, the, our, our web store is uh, run by the other singer in the band, Ben. He goes to our, our storage locker and he ships everything out and he often autographs pieces if anybody wants it. Um, and uh, yeah, we're a very independent band in 2019. It feels good. It's awesome. Yeah. All right, so, so so last question before we wrap this up. I, I uh, ask this of, of all of our guests. So who do you know that I don't know who should join us on this podcast to revisit one of their favorite records? Um, I think that you should get Max Kerman from Arkells. Okay. He is probably not – do you know the band? I don't. No. They are kind of like stepping into the shoes of the Tragically Hip in Canada. Awesome. Um, they, and I say that because they have recently moved up to stadiums. They play stadiums now in Canada. Um, we started around the same time and for a minute there, we're kind of at the same level. Um, and they just ascended into the stratosphere and, you know, have had tons of number one hits. They've won like 12 
15 Junos or something like that. Um, they are like bona fide superstar status in Canada. Um, their frontman Max is one of the nicest, most hardworking guys uh, in Canadian music. I've actually got an unread text from him on my phone right now. He texted as we were doing this podcast. Um, so uh, yeah, he he's a very thoughtful guy. He is really into like um, like empathetic politics. I guess I would say okay. he's he's a really really thoughtful guy. Um, and I think that he would be a wonderful conversation. All right. awesome. Sounds like I've got some some homework to to do to get familiar with their Arkells. Then. Yeah, I mean, if you call yourself a fan of Canadian music and you don't know Arkells, it's like you're under a rock, okay. or you're just not into Canada. There you go. Um, because yeah, in in Canada, they're kind of all anybody hears about in in the the rock and roll world, or kind of you know, the alternative rock world. So. They're un-American, so unfortunately, you know, I'm American and not familiar with the Arkells. So, yeah, although they've been touring in your neighborhood recently, yeah, um, they're out with uh, out with a band called Coin, um, and I think they were maybe they didn't get quite far as far as Florida, but they uh, they they do play the states and they do well in the states. You know, I think they do probably over a thousand in New York. And, okay, um, you know, they're starting to to make their way south for sure. Awesome. All right. Well, when you reply to that text, let them know that uh, we're, we're going to be calling. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. So as a reminder, you can find all of our happenings on our Facebook page for the Records Revisited podcast. We're now on Instagram as well. So find us there. Uh, Wayne, what is the Instagram uh, address? Records Revisited podcast. Okay. And we are on Twitter as well, at Podcast Records. And you can find us all on all of your typical platforms for podcasts, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, am I missing any platforms? iHeartMedia, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, if you want any of the old episodes as well, you can go to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. And as I tell you every week, please go subscribe and rate or review us. So thanks Everyone for listening, please go support the arts, go to a live show, buy a t-shirt of the band, buy a record, one that might be pink translucent, visit a record store, and not just on record store day, we are records revisited, and we are... Out. Out. (laughs) We missed it. We totally missed it. We missed it. We and you got it. Yeah, I missed it. I missed it. All right. (laughs)